<laughs> you are listening to Rouge, White, and Blue, a proud member of the Canadian Football Podcast Network. My name's Oz Davis. I'll be your host for the show. And joining me as always, but for the first time, he can be introduced as a fan of the defending CFL champion Winnipeg Blue Bombers, Joe Pritchard. Joe, how the hell are you? Uh, how do you think I am? Hey, <laughs> hey, did we mention the Bombers won the Grey Cup yet? Well, I don't know if we have a few other people across North America have. Oh, um, good. Well, let, but, let's make sure that we make it clear okay. to everybody listening that the Bombers have won the Grey Cup. <laughs> oh, man. Congratulations. Congratulations, Joe. Nice work by your team. Um, I, as always, you know, I have to live vicariously through you on these Canadian trips, Joe. So I would like you to um, describe your, your trip and such to me. But first, I'd like you to ask, okay, so we're recording this about, what, two weeks? No, a week and a half? Two weeks? Two and a half weeks? Anyway, some t- time enough after the Grey Cup for three teams to fire head coaches and one team to hire a new one. That's how long it's been. So this far out, Joe. What do you still remember about the game itself? What stood out to you about the game itself? Uh, the Bombers' defensive line absolutely manhandling the Ticats' offensive line. The Bombers' offensive line absolutely manhandling the Tigercats' defensive line. Yes. And just waiting to see if they're going to continue the domination the whole game or if they're going to disappoint me one more time this year. <laughs> But I have to tell you, to be honest, uh, when Big Hill recovered the fumble early on, like the Bombers had gotten the tipped pass interception. Great. Then I punted it back. It's like, okay, did they waste an opportunity there? When Big Hill recovered the fumble, I'm like, there's going to be more where that came from. I'm feeling pretty good about today. Mm Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Really? Okay, because I was just reading some accounts, uh, I believe, on the official website of the league, CFL.ca, about Winnipeg fans and that moment when they realized it was actually happening. When was that for you? They couldn't have been that early in the first quarter. I don't buy that. Well, that's when I knew that it was going to be a good day. It, they weren't going to uh, shoot their shot early and just be done. It would. They were going to keep making things happen, and then they just kept doing it. Uh, I, I did feel a little bit less um, excited about things when the Tiger Cats put together some drives in the first quarter after that. Uh, but by the time you get to halftime, look at that score. I believe it was twenty-one-six. It's okay. Well, they've done. They've blown leads like this before this year. Right. Have they learned anything? And when they came out firing like they did in the third quarter, it's like, yep, they've learned something, all right. And then you just sat there. We sat there in the fourth quarter and watched the clock. I bet. And it's like if the Tiger Cats have anything, it's going to come out now, and they just didn't have it. Right, right. 
Right, just calculating, let's see, how many drives could they possibly have left? How many touchdowns would they have to score per minute? You know, how many rouges can they get? You know, you're like calculating that kind of stuff. Okay, so um, let's see, what else could I ask you about the game itself? Um, how How was the ratio there at the field? They didn't really get a good sense of it through the broadcast. Oh, it was a bomber home game. Oh, wow. All right. It, 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 it's about as close to a bomber home game as you're going to get in a Grey Cup set scenario outside of maybe Winnipeg. Mm-hmm. How come? Because of the travel? Uh, I'm going to guess the travel. It seemed like there were a, a overabundance of West fans compared to East, but that's a long haul from the East for one. Um, and just there were Tiger Cats fans around, obviously, but it just felt like the bomber fans were there. And uh, it felt like it was a three to one ratio is my guess. Wow. 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 All right. Well, good win for the Bombers fans then, too. Way, way to support the team out there. Way to support the team. Perhaps if if it's Hamilton Winnipeg next year, the win, the Hamilton fans won't be so won't be won't be won't take it so cavalierly let's say i think they were i think at least some folks in hamilton land were even overconfident about this game having been so dominant this year but wow the bombers just took care of business all throughout the playoffs didn't they 12 12 quarters 12 quarters of bomber football best 12 quarters of bomber football i've ever watched in my life mm-hmm I bet. Now, now Joe is a bit biased for all the listeners, but hey. Um, okay, are you going to stick by your, your, your prediction that you last made on the show where you reckon that Winnipeg wins the first game at New Mosaic, Winnipeg wins the first playoff game, playoff game or championship game? Uh, first playoff game. Play, first playoff game at Mosaic, and next year, which happened gonna... to also be the first West semi, <laughs> then the first West final last year or this year, and, and uh, next, year? next year, like in a stair step, like oh, like oh, like yeah, gosh, there was a year in between the uh, regular season and the playoff, the first playoff one, but then the next year's the West final, and yeah, I, I can't see why not. <laughs> I I wonder what the fandom will be like for that. It'll probably be 50% Riders fans, no matter who's playing. <laughs> uh, probably, but that is drivable from Winnipeg. So Ooh. I could see it even being more of a bomber home game if they happen to make it next year. Uh-huh. Well, if they're playing Montreal, it'll be a home game. Um, What's to stop them from, I mean, this early out, what's to stop them from repeating next year? I mean, they're pretty much uh, going to stand Edward. pat in a lot of places. The coaching staff is staying still. I mean, well, they got a well. Uh, La Police is interviewing, so he may be gone. Oh, which wow. would hurt a lot. Yeah, um, but at the same time, you hope he plans a job because he deserves one. Uh, lots of things. I mean, the, the rosters turn over so rapidly. This isn't going to be the same team next year, and it wasn't the same team as it was the year before. Uh, some of the biggest pieces are still around and will stick around, uh, but they have to figure out the quarterback situation first and foremost. Yeah, yeah, yeah. How about that? Okay, so this far out, what are you thinking? It's too far, too far out to even too think far about out, that yeah. right now. Well, I'm thinking, uh, I'm thinking that I would like uh, Streveler to be the Alouettes' backup next year. 
Now, the one thing I'm hearing about Strebler is I don't think he's looking for a starting job somewhere. I think he wants to stay at Winnipeg now. Wow. Because uh, he's made himself a folk hero. Yeah. You, you noticed that during the parade and all the attention he was getting for all that, right? He was an integral seen... part. He was an integral part. People like the quarterback by committee. <laughs> well, that they do, especially when one of them uh, – goes down Portage in Maine chugging a 12-pack uh, and asking for more uh, while shirtless. That seems he's, to be a great way to endear yourself to a fan base in he, one moment. He's gronking it up, <clears throat> you <throat> might say. Oh, he's making gronk look. He's making gronk look like, like an amateur. <clears throat> <laughs> he should be playing in the NHL, obviously. Uh, okay, right. Well, as um, – we can hear a little bit there. Uh, we know what you brought back from Winnipeg. Uh, I'm sorry, from from Calgary. But uh, did you bring back any gear? You got any trinkets? Because as I understand it, this Grey Cup, I can't believe somebody tracks this, this Grey Cup is going to set a record for paraphernalia sales by the winning team. Well, I, I do have some uh, in my name, but they're just not in the country yet. So. Oh, okay. You got to get the champion champions gear when your team wins, right? Sure. Yeah, I think so. Yeah, especially if you are there. I mean, yeah, sure, I would. Yeah. All right. All right. Absolutely. Well, okay. So tell us about this trip this time. Uh, you didn't get laid. I mean, you 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 didn't get laid down until after you returned, right? I mean, you were healthy the whole time you were there, right? Right. Okay. And to All be right. fair, the eighteen hours of uh, Airplaning on Monday probably didn't help anything oh, with wow. the uh, sickness on the way back. Uh, but that's a canceled flight story for another time. Uh-huh. <laughs> Getting there on Wednesday, uh, we did the uh, kickoff show, and it was the debut of the Wandering Glens, which is the idea of Ryan Ballantyne, our CFL horseman compatriot. And within, uh, I want to say, 15 minutes of being formally bestowed my uh, – uh, bomber Kevin Glenn paraphernalia to wear. I was being interviewed by CBC Manitoba, and the <laughs> Calgary Herald got a hold of us too. Wow, wow! So that was pre- that was pretty quick for things to catch on. <laughs> <clears throat> Very cool. Okay, so expanding your Canadian celebrity status a little bit. All right, so um, okay, did you what uh, happened with the eating challenge oh of course so the tune out podcast was on thursday and travis uh had Derek dennis and the owner of the establishment as his opponents and travis is a pro at what he's doing and uh, uh so was the owner but Derek dennis was clearly not uh but uh, i would say if there's any other any sort of athletic competition between the three of them. Uh, I'm putting my money on, De- on Derek Dennis. <laughs> but in, in an eating contest, that was all Travis. All right. All right. See, I was vindicated. So he's two for two. Yeah, I'll take Travis minus the line on any of those. I don't I don't care who he's matched up against. Okay, great. What about the um, – okay, so, so in the past you've talked about the accessibility of the stuff, of the fan places and stuff. How, like, centralized was everything this time? Literally everything was in the Stampede Grounds, Fantastic. which was seven blocks from where we were staying. That's perfect. It was the best 
um, setup I've ever seen. Great. Did you visit anything beside the bombers? Oh, of course you do. You uh, Spirit of Edmonton seems to be uh, a Thursday night tradition with our group. Um, of course, the touchdown Manitoba for the bombers was a thing. Uh, there's always the meetup, which used to be the tweet up. Uh-huh. Okay. And right. Right. let's right. see what else. What else were we doing? We ended up at Staff's house that night. Uh, the next day was uh, Spirit of Edmonton breakfast, which a few of us Glens got to crash because we were doing TV hits in Edmonton, Calgary, and Vancouver. <laughs> so we spread the spread the legend of the wandering Glens across the west coast of Canada too. Uh, while we were at it, and then, gosh, what else happened that day? Who so, are the Wandering uh, the Glens? Who are the Wandering Glens, please? Well, the Wandering Glens are whoever happens to be wearing one of the nine uh, <laughs> different jerseys okay. and the accompanying wigs. <laughs> okay. There were only about four or five of us that were stalwarts, and right. a few teams we had trouble filling from time to time, but okay. we were usually able to get uh, a significant chunk of us together at any one given point. Excellent. Most excellent. <laughs> well, if I ever do get up there, I'll be the uh, Baltimore Stallions, uh, Glenn, for you guys. Uh, well, you, maybe maybe we'll let you be the Schooners. <laughs> there you go. Absolutely. Uh, not, not, to, not to non-represent my owls, but I'm sure somebody has this part already. Right. Um, okay, so day of the game. What you do day of the game? So the day of the game is the easiest day of Grey Cup. You okay. just go to the game. Really? At like what time were you there? Gosh, so the kickoff was at four. So we were we left about two to get on oh, the train, okay. get up there. I think we were up there for two thirty. Oh. Okay. And we were there a little bit earlier than we wanted to be, but we'd rather be a little earlier than a little bit later. So. Wow, an hour and a half. That's not nicely. that early at all. Really? No. Yeah, no. I mean. You got plenty, so we had one, plenty of time to one, eat. <laughs> yeah, and we did lunch before and all that yeah. sort of thing. And then we did uh, dinner after the game. Nice. Uh, where we met a few of our uh, – few of the friends that we meet every year happened to be in the same place. And it was one last uh, Grey Cup celebration, especially given that the people we ran into, one of them's a Bomber fan that is now retiring his Mitt Stugill jersey because they finally won the Grey Cup. Wow. All right. Just so I'm, I'm so thrilled for you, Joe, and for everybody in Bomberland. Um, I think that in general this season was a lot of fun, uh, really interesting, as always unpredictable. Um, who would have thought the Bombers were not quite left for dead going into the playoffs, but you know, we're not being being taken very seriously. We're quite the long shot going in, and uh, shocked us all, surprised us. Like all. in October, I'd have been like. How does this work out? <laughs> but it, it's weird because we made the predictions back in June, sure. and I hit the Grey Cup picks yep. dead on. Yep. But I had no idea how we were getting there. <laughs> it kind of makes me wonder why we do this in the first place. What do you mean? Besides to make ourselves look stupid. What, what, make picks at clearly, the beginning of the year? I predicted, yeah, I clearly predicted the winners. But not anywhere close to on how they got there. Well, I mean, what the hell else are you going to do, dude? <laughs> You're not That's not going to predict it's it. Just, it's just <laughs> one further reminder that none of us know nothing at all. Well, yeah, 
Yeah, yeah. There's a lot of chaos theory going on. I mean, you know, this is this is why I always say that um, uh, playing fantasy football is folly. I mean, especially this weekly fantasy football. I mean, it's a total, it's chaos theory. And then you take fantasy football and you multiply that by 24 starting players plus special teams per team. It's like, <laughs> you know, I mean, the chaos theory is massive. Um, only on the very small scale can we say, can we make a decent prediction? And only after the thing is over, can we understand why? So just like most of life, how profound <laughs> is sports? <laughs> okay. So great, Joe. Um, I don't know. I don't know. Anything else? I mean, what will you remember most about this cup? You guys winning? Just I'll remember. I'll remember most being able to turn to my best friend of almost 20 years now. I want to say, uh, probably cl- let's see, yeah, 16 years. Let's go with that, and giving him a big hug right after the right after it was uh, clearly clearly official. Right, like dude, who turned you on to the bombers in the first place, right? Yes. Perfect. So it finally paid off for him. Uh, he started paying atten- close attention to the Bombers. He knew that they existed when he was younger, but he started paying close attention to the Bombers in the preseason of 1991. So he finally got that payoff after that long wait. <laughs> As did you, Joe. And again, congrats to both you guys. Congrats to Winnipeg. All right, we're not gonna we're not gonna stay too long here. Uh, Joe needs to recover from the Winnipeg. What is it, the Winnipeg plague? The Grey Cup plague? Uh, what is the Grey Cup plague is what it seems to be being called in the streets of Twitter these days. In the streets of Twitter. All right, I love it. Okay, but before we go, real quick, uh, we haven't talked in a couple of weeks. Um, I, I understand we shouldn't really say coaching carousel on this show for, for various reasons, but I would also protest the use of this term because not only is it a cliche, it's like this year it doesn't seem that true at all. Um, you know, I see where Montreal uh, gave a contract extension to our guy. Yay. Um, a couple of other teams have given extensions to coordinators and whatnot. There's really only three teams. Well, there's only two teams looking for a coach now, right? Uh, yeah. just right Ottawa and Edmonton. Edmonton and Ottawa are the only two teams left on the coaching carousel. Right, not uh, much of a so carousel. Van, it's a so seesaw. BC, so BC uh, just hired Rick Campbell from Ottawa. Uh, I believe Edmonton Edmonton is still looking, and Ottawa, I believe today, was interviewing Paul Lopolis. So we shall see where those two end up. This offseason could have been a lot more chaotic with that because uh, there were rumors that O'Shea was thinking about going to Toronto. Mm. Uh, there were Toronto fans were waiting and waiting and waiting for Craig Chamberlain to be fired. That didn't happen. <laughs> Kari Jones theoretically could have left, but didn't. Uh, so there was a lot more. There was a lot of possibilities of just sheer chaos. You could have had six potential changes if everything would have gone haywire instead we're looking at three which is still a 33 percent clip mind you but yeah. uh when you're thinking about having two-thirds of the league turnover its head coaches it doesn't feel all that exciting anymore <laughs> yeah exactly well Kari wasn't going anywhere no way where his oh my god oh my god what a we we need to keep that guy around more than anybody else including vernon adams in montreal um how do you like campbell in bc 
Mm. It'll be interesting to see how that fit works. It's probably a better fit for Campbell than going to Edmonton because no matter what, with that name in Edmonton, uh, it's always going to be weird because he has so much to live up to and either he would be given no rope whatsoever and with the belief that he'd be uh, able to do just what his dad, what his dad was able to do, or he'd be given so much rope that he's there 15 years later, having won nothing uh, <laughs> just because of his name. So it's probably for the best on both sides for him not to be involved in that. Yeah. He'd be pulling a Chamberlain in that case. Corey Chamberlain has remarkable staying power uh, at these, at these franchises. I wasn't too surprised to see him stay in Toronto. Um, I guess um, the only other thing that, that might be worthy of reporting is that the prevailing rumor is that fired uh, head coach Jason Moss uh, is trying, uh, is being wooed, I guess, by Campbell in BC. So that'd be quite the little interesting upgrade at offensive coordinator as well. And that might out, might work out really well for all parties involved uh, because they have worked together in the past. Yeah. Uh, you had Jason Moss, Mike Riley for a couple of years uh, again right. in this case. Right. Uh, it'd be interesting to see what he can make of that again. And it could also, uh, assuming success in any way, shape, or form, uh, raise Massa stock again. Because uh, I honestly don't believe he did a terrible job in Edmonton. He had, no. a lot of things, he had a lot of things go chaotically for him, unfortunately, and a couple, a little bit of bad luck at the end. But I think he'll get another shot somewhere. Well, they had almost no one had them in the playoffs early on. Of course, what do what the hell do we know? But uh, you know, they want to they want a playoff game solidly. I mean, they showed flashes of brilliance this year. Um, I'm I'm just not sure about their offensive game plan. But we don't have to talk about that anymore. So, because the season is over. So, yeah, I think that would be a nice move for all parties involved. I think you're correct. And uh, best of luck to Ottawa. I, I wonder why they haven't filled that position yet. I'm not, I'm not sure that that position is going to be in too high demand. Uh, I just, mm, I just have unless a you have somebody desperate enough to get their first shot <laughs> right. at things. Right. Or you have a coach that really, really believes he can succeed. Uh, regardless of the personnel where others have failed. Right. Exactly. Because you have the personnel problem. All right. Now there's a lack of overall talent. And then you have the GM on with one year left on his deal. How, who, who's to say one bad year and you're out the door with the GM while the new GM gets to pick. Oh, obviously regime change. Yeah. You have to fear the regime change there already. I mean, in your first year. So uh, it's not going to be a highly sought after job, but Hey, maybe they can get Ron Rivera. Right. Panthers didn't want him anymore, so maybe they can get him. In any case, all right, Joe. Well, maybe Mark Trestman will be available soon enough. Again. Yeah, there you go. There you go. How about that? Um, or, or maybe Noel Thorpe will interview for that job. <laughs> Finally. <laughs> <laughs> Finally. Um, okay, so I guess, Joe, this means that since since this is the peak of Rouge, White, and Bluedom, that we're going to fold the show, right? We're just going to pull, oh, pull a Teddy Williams and just, you know, quit with some gas left in the tank. No, actually, we probably won't, much to the disappointment of many CFL podcast fans, but we are going to take a hiatus. Is that correct, Joe? Yeah, I've got a few things in my life that are a little bit chaotic at the moment, um, for good reasons, I will say, but it really doesn't lend itself to too much CFL podcasting time, especially given it's the off season at this point, so... 
uh, given that the big things are behind us and the next big things are quite a ways away on the horizon, I think it's safe to say we probably won't be talking to you again until 2020 at the very earliest. Yeah, yeah. At the very earliest, Jesus. What, 2021 at the latest? I mean, <laughs> we'll, be, we'll be back before June. 2041, the return <laughs> of the Rouge, White, and Blue. Yeah, during, Who are they again? Yeah, Rouge, White, and Blue, Judgment Day. <laughs> um, in any case, okay, well, um, keep the channel open. Do not unsubscribe. I may do some things with some folks as well to to fill the space once every couple of weeks also please you know keep this channel open because i'll probably be launching uh, a couple episodes of my new podcast coming we hope in january so some exciting stuff here and it is rumored that cfl podcast favorite travis curra is is the interview subject on one episode so keep a lookout for that cfl fans in the meantime, for Joe Pritchard, I'm Oz Davis. This has been the Rouge, White, and Blue CFL podcast. Uh, if we don't talk to you soon, have a happy new year. We'll talk to you before the next season. And don't get thrown off the coaching carousel. <laughs> Thanks back. for listening. Find more great shows like this at CF Pod Network on Twitter.